The thing is, I, I tried Twitter a couple of years ago, and, but I felt like I was talking into the void. <laughs> well, is it kids Nevis? Yes. Yeah, it's like, it's, yeah. there's no reactions, there's none, there's nothing. Sometimes I know exactly what you're going to say. Every single month, your bank account is overdrawn. The world is a business. A husband is what's left of a sweetheart after a nerve has been killed. Walking around blindly with dead eyes, following orders, not knowing what they do, not caring. Obey! If you have selfish, ignorant citizens, you're going to get selfish, ignorant leaders. You mean like Democrats? Well, we both agree that must be the reason. Why not let the folks themselves ask for something that they like to hear? We are knee-deep in a pool of stagnation. Oh, no, no, wait a minute, friends. You don't want to hear that, do you? Yeah! yeah. Hi guys, welcome to Objectively Incorrect. I'm your boy Stephen Smith. I'm joining the studio with Andrew Huey, who is a media entrepreneur and journalist. 20 years? 20 years, yeah. 20 this year will be 20 years. 20 years? Yeah. Long time. Oh my God. August actually. August this year will be 20 years. I've been in it for 15. Mm-hmm. But then I that's think it was my too. first it's my first job. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, it was my first job. Yeah, it's yeah. a long time too. Yes. So <laughs> Mr. Hugh is gonna be here. We're gonna talk about um journalism and we're also gonna be talking about sports and the possibilities of some sports tourism. Also, the avenues in sports that maybe we are not like, you know, digging deep enough into. And, you know, and all of that. So we're going to be having a nice, rounded conversation about that. Mr. Huey, thank you for being on the show. Yes, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Wow, it was good. All right, so so the thing is, um, what we're going to do first is we're going to do our little fact or fiction section, which we're going to give Mr. Huey five statements. We're going to ask him if, they, if he thinks they're true mm-hmm. or if they're false. There's only two options, true or false. All, right. all of these questions are about soccer, right. a.k.a. football. I'm mm-hmm. going to say football. Yeah, but football. Some of these things <laughs> they're gonna say soccer so please forgive me i didn't write blasphemy blast. but but i didn't write these right these are just these are facts it's right? clear that this came from a u.s it's clear US that it came yeah. from the u.s yeah. and our internet is filtered through the u.s it feels like because yeah. we don't get a lot of uk sites popping up and all not, at all not even in google um but anyway so number let's go number one uh, Mr. Huey, it's also a little game if you could get more than three usually win. If you don't, then we won't mention it. All right. Uh, a lot it, of people it, be it. like, it used to be so competitive and now it's like, Stephen, you don't even mention when you lose. It's like, nah, <laughs> I don't think I want to lament on people losing. <laughs> All right. Let's see. All right, let's do it. Number one. Five. The city of Lucille, host of the 2022 FIFA World Cup, is currently the most populated place in Qatar. True or false? All right. I don't know much about the geography of Qatar, but mm-hmm. I'm going to say false. It is false. The city of Lucille (laughs) does not exist as a functioning city yet. It is a project of Qatar. Ah, there you go. Yeah, they're actually building. They're actually building. (laughs) They're actually building it. All right, number two. Um, On average, soccer players run between 7 and 9.5 miles in a single match. On average, soccer players run between 7 and 9.5 miles in a single match. True or false? All right. I'm going to take a wild guess in this one. And assuming that a player plays a full match and they play close to two hours, hour and a half plus stoppage time, I'm going to say true. Yes, it's absolutely Ah, 100% true. Obviously, and this is some context, obviously there is some variation depending on the position they play. Mm -hmm. The midfielders run the most, Mm -hmm. the goalie not so much. But it's not uncommon for a player to average seven miles per game. Seven, Sport VU, has tracked players running as much as 9.5 miles in a single game. Yo, listen. That's that's a lot of running. That is. But the thing is, interestingly enough, even with this fact, um, football players run more miles than any other sport. Yeah. And and because, because the field is huge. And... 
look, you have to be really fit to play football. You, you gotta be fit. You know, I, I've tried it on a smaller field and I'm bust after a few minutes. They, come on, <laughs> and they're playing for some of these guys are playing for the full game. Yeah, because you only have three substitutions. So Ex- chances are you're gonna have at least nine, ten players who are gonna be playing all game, all the game, on, on each team, on yeah. each team, yeah. which means you have to be fit enough to run for hour and a half. Yep. And and to be able to sprint as well because it's not yeah. just it's sprint and slow down and, and sprint and, and, and control stay on your feet. and spin and do all kind of and things. still concentrate. Yeah, like yeah. T- t- soccer. No, football yeah. players are crazy. You gotta be really intelligent. They gotta be good. Yeah. All right, number three, Mister Huey. You right now, you're batting hundred. All right. Number three, the Vatican has its own soccer team. The Vatican has its own soccer team. True or false? Hmm. False. It's true. The Vatican national football team is a football team that represents the Vatican City under the control of the Vatican Amateur Sports Association. Oh, wow. I didn't even know that. It was actually founded in 1972. Wow. Interesting. I didn't know. That was interesting to me. I've never seen their name pop up in a World Cup qualifier. I think they're like 222 right now in terms of the European League. All right. So number four. (laughs) The most goals scored in a World Cup match was 10. The most goals scored in a World Cup match on a world a World Cups match was ten. True or false? Hmm, this is a tricky one. This um, is collectively, not on one side. Oh, collectively? Yeah, collectively. I would say true. It's actually false. Oh. It's the, the truth is actually pretty close though. The most goals scored in a World Cup match was twelve between Switzerland versus Austria. Oh, wow, I, I didn't realize that. June 26, nineteen fifty-four. I know they were, you know, in the early days of the World Cup, a lot of goals. Yeah, they used, used to score. score. Yeah. Pele used to score like <laughs> ridiculous. Like his his record was for a single season, I think was not single season, but time frame. They said it, they measured it in time frame, hmm. and it was twelve hundred and seventy four goals. Oh wow! Who's this Pele? Over the, yeah, Pele. I think yeah. it was over the course of two or three years. Yeah, well, I, have to, I have to do some more research. Don't quote me on that, please. Don't quote me. <laughs> but, he, but he played at a young age. So he did he play, yes. At, at 17. So. And he was amazing. Yeah. All right. Number f- five. Oh, All right. So this is my. This is your do. This is your yeah, make up. Do I die. I see. Okay. Soccer player Didier Drogba is credited with brokering a ceasefire in his home country of every course that brought a five year civil war to an end. I'm going to say true. It's absolutely 100% true. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know he's very much involved in this country. He uh, did. Like, he made a desperate plea to the combatants, asking them to lay down their arms. A plea which was answered with a ceasefire after five a five year civil war. The thing is, what happened? I think they were on. They were doing a match, and he said it was very uncomfortable for them. They were doing mm-hmm. a, a a local um, friendly, mm-hmm. and there were rocket launchers on both sides of the field. Oh, wow. Like the bodyguards were not. Like, they done past this this state of. Using AK 47s, what Rocket they were protected. <laughs> protected. <laughs> yes, and the thing is, football is so like football, football is so unifying of a sport mm-hmm. that you would have in a stadium, like when he was playing, you would have people who were on the like they were oppositional forces, the current government, and of course, the, 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 the people on the other side of the war attending the same match. Yep. So like they're like on separate sides of the field, and at any point this could just divulge yeah, into a, a rocket launcher could just launch over the field right now, and whether by accident <laughs> or by intent. So like, the guy was like, when he won, I think he was like, you know, we need to we need mm. to stop this. This is yeah. ridiculous. This is uncomfortable for us. What what do, what do you feel like in terms of news? Like how has news changed 
since you've been, because I, I don't know, how long have you been in news? I've uh, uh, been in news for almost 20 years. 20 well, years. Geez. This year is 20 years, yeah. I think that's a good chunk. That's yeah. a good chunk. That's yeah. a good chunk to see change. Yeah. Like, how has news changed since, a since lot. it started? A lot. I mean, social media has changed the game a lot. Um, when you look at what we were doing 10 years ago, 20 years ago, mm -hmm. um, where, you know, there was no Facebook. <laughs> no, there wasn't even MySpace then, no, back 20 nothing. years ago. So it, it, it has changed in terms of news is more real time. So gone are the days when you wait for the six o'clock news or the seven o'clock news to actually get your news. True. You know, you get your news now. Immediately. Immediately, you know, through social media. But it presents a challenge as well because because of social media and because of, you know, everybody now is a, an expert. Everybody yes. is a quote-unquote journalist. Mm -hmm. um, you now have to be fact-checking everything that you get, even more so now than you used to do back in the day because not everything you see on social media is it's correct. True. Yeah. It's true. So you have to fact-check. So it, it presents a, a greater challenge. And then, of course, as a media practitioner, mm -hmm. um, you're up against misinformation, fake news, you know. Fake news, which is a real thing. It is. It is. Fake news is real. It's real. And you now have to try to convince people. You now, has, as the credible source, have mm -hmm. to prove to people why your information is correct and not the other way around. Oh my which is, God. Which is kind of sad <laughs> in a sense. Because the, the thing is, at first, like you had a conduit where you just go to this specific space, you go to whatever, WinFM, mm -hmm. ZZ, whatever, and you knew that this information was already fact checked before. So it's right. like you didn't need to question it. Right. But no, something appears on the internet, and sometimes the, 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 the headlines are so salacious, right? Mm -hmm. That it's like, what? Are you saying he did what? Like, yeah, what? Yeah, and you, yeah. you instantly run with that. And because of the retweets and so on, I think what's more difficult is that you find when things pop up multiple times, mm -hmm. they end up reaffirming themselves because right. of... Because you see it so many times. Yeah. You, you, you automatically think it's true. It's true. Like yeah. five different stories popping up about, you know, somebody wearing red here. You just, they were wearing red here. Yeah. Well, what usually happens for me is in my space where, you know, I'm in several chats mm -hmm. on WhatsApp and, and Facebook groups. The moment I see something that I have questions about yeah i immediately go to a, a, a credible source so i google it mm -hmm. and then i'll see if any of the major news networks have reported have on it. reported on it mm -hmm. for example when kobe bryant died mm -hmm. when i first heard the news I, I got it from a journalist a, a colleague from another island mm -hmm. and immediately i went online i googled it and the first source that came up was the independent newspaper in the, in, in the uk okay which is a credible source mm -hmm. so the moment i saw that i knew it was true mm -hmm. so um so i don't really go on these sites that i don't really trust you know, I, I pay very close attention to that because if I'm going to go out and put in information, I have to make sure that the information it's true. is true, it's credible, it's accurate. So I, I always look for the more credible sources. I think so, the first time I heard that um, Kobe Bryant was on TMZ, I think that was it. Yeah. yeah and, then TMZ, is, uh, and then, well, you know, TMZ, TMZ is a gossip site. It's a gossip site. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the thing about TMZ is that even though they're a gossip site, they rarely get anything wrong. Because, really? Yeah. Because from, what, from my understanding, they're owned by lawyers. So <laughs> TMZ is owned. From, yeah. From what I, from what I understand, they, they, a group of lawyers uh, have ownership stake in it. And so anything that goes out has to be, you know, sort of checked through them. So make sure they don't, they don't have any liability. Liable. Yeah, exactly. What? I didn't know that. Have you ever heard of TMZ getting sued? I've never, I've never heard yeah, it. Exactly. But so I, I just figured they that. would. <laughs> because <laughs> some of this stuff is, again, it's so outrageous. Yeah, some things are some outrageous. And, and I think, I think basically what they do, they embellish stuff because that's what gossip sites do. Mm -hmm. they, they embellish things. They're like uh, tabloids. Basically. Yeah, tabloids, yeah. So they, tabloids, they, it's, it's partially true or it is basically true, but they just kind of blow it up a bit. Yeah, to know, make to, it a little bit more entertaining. Yeah, exactly. Because that's what it is. It's an entertainment site. So they do that for, for the entertainment purpose. value. 
And so they would blow up something that really isn't that quite the case, but yeah. But I mean, it's journalism. I mean, when it started, I think people were like really, you know, aggressive about gaining the truth and so. But what happens when you don't tell the truth? In like as a as a journalist, what happens when I don't want to? I'm not going to put your business in this. Mm. But I'm saying, what happens when you report on something? It's not true. Mm. What 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 are the what are the benefits? What are the, not benefits? What are the drawbacks to it? Well, there are a lot of drawbacks to it because as a journalist, the the, the only thing you have to stand by is your name, your reputation. Mm. So if you are known as a journalist that gets facts wrong all the time, wow. people are not going to trust you. I'll give an example. Mm-hmm. Um, a few years ago, we had a very unfortunate incident in St. Nevis where a schoolgirl was murdered, mm-hmm. was found dead. Her body or remains rather were found. Up in the hills, Liana, as mm-hmm. we know, Liana Napoleon. This was maybe like four years back. Yeah, I remember. And when the story broke that they found her body or found the remains, there was a lot of news, you know, information going around. Mm-hmm. WhatsApp, people WhatsApping stuff. Yeah, man. So like et cetera. And I was speaking to a, a, a photographer, Garth, Garth Archibald. Mm-hmm. Um, we were covering CPL that day. And he was like, when he first saw the story, no, it wasn't CPL, it was another event. Mm-hmm. And he said when he first saw the story, he immediately checked my website to verify, to see if we had anything on it and to see if it was true because there was a lot of misinformation that was going around. Yeah. And he wasn't sure if the information was correct. So he wanted to make sure. So he went to what he considered a credible source, went to my website to check to see, or my Facebook page to see wow. if I had anything up on it. Mm-hmm. So that goes to show that you know, your, your reputation, you live and die by your reputation as mm-hmm. a journalist. So if your information, if you are, have a reputation of getting facts wrong and putting out wrong information or trying to get it first. Yeah, first, which is the, and the race. And, and, and so, you know, you have to be careful. Now, in the, in the same breath, I'm also going to share something I'm not too proud of. Mm. But there was an incident that happened um, some time ago. And in my um, lack of judgment, <laughs> for mm. lack of a better term, to try to get the information out first. Now, I didn't put it on my website because mm. I had to get certain facts first. But I, I sent out a notification, mm-hmm. and the no, it, it, it was my, um, <laughs> lack of a better term, my, my, my enthusiasm mm-hmm. at the time, trying to get the information out. But there was something about that information that wasn't correct. Oh, boy. And I, I had to retract the notification that I sent out earlier. I learned, from my, I learned my lesson from that, because mm-hmm. you know, I'm not going to know, try to try to get something first. Because I've always gone by the reputation of, we prefer to get it right than to get it first. So that was a wake-up call for me to make sure don't try, don't try to, to rush first. it. Don't try to be first. Mm-hmm. Try to be right. Try to be correct. Yeah, try to be correct. So um, I, I live and die by that. So that was a, a, a very rare occasion, that occasion that for me. Um, but generally, I try to make sure that I fact check information before I send it out. Mm-hmm. And um, the mere fact that people trust me to come to me first. To verify. To verify. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. So, I mean, so but it's that, very important. I mean, let me ask you a, a, a slightly more <laughs> personal, maybe it might be more personal. Mm, that's right. But is news like, is news profitable? Is news like, uh, I mean, I'm not talking about CNN because yeah, CNN, no, yeah, they, they, I think CNN is much more opinionated back, yeah. than, than news. Than news. That's, what, that's it's, true. It's a lot more. Um, it, is, it is profitable, but again, it depends on the market you work in. Mm. Um, I mean, here in St. Kitts Nevis, it's a smaller market. It's very competitive now because you have more media houses. Out. Wow, it, it is? Like, well, not news per se. The news aspect I don't find is very competitive. Mm-hmm. The media landscape is, is because yeah. there are a lot of radio stations here. There are yeah. a lot of you know, online media outlets. Mm-hmm. You know, I've now added myself to the pool for the yeah. last few years. So 
um, you know, I'm up against several other websites and stuff mm -hmm. that are competing for the, the very same. small advertising dollar. Yeah. So you have to reinvent yourself. You have to find other ways of, you know, being creative to, to make money. Mm -hmm. News is profitable in the sense that it's people want, um, people want to know that they, they can find a source where they can go and get information. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. if, they, if they have sources or a source that they can go to get information, then it's a way to put your business out there as an advertiser and market your business, market your business on that yeah. platform. So from that standpoint, it is, it is um, viable, for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. Profitability now is a whole other story because, again, as I said, you have to look at the market, the market size, the economies of scale, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. In other markets in the Caribbean, you know, places like Jamaica and Trinidad, where news is very competitive, the news mm. media is very competitive there, um, it, it is profitable. I mean, you could look at a, a conglomerate like the RGR Communication Group in Jamaica. Mm -hmm. They recently merged with the Gleaner newspaper, wow. the largest and oldest newspaper in the Caribbean. Wow. Um, uh. And they have like three, well, no, what am I saying? About five radio stations. They own TV stations, cable networks. They're the largest media conglomerate in the Caribbean in the English-speaking Caribbean. Wow. So uh -huh. for them, it has to be profitable. Um, otherwise, it wouldn't, otherwise make any it, sense. Would, it wouldn't make any sense. Mm. Uh, the Gleaner, Gleaner newspaper has been around for a long time. The Observer newspaper celebrating 27 years this year, the Jamaica Observer. So news in those markets, you know, is profitable. Is profitable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Here is another story, and I'm, I'm sure it's probably the same in, in a lot of the OECS countries. Um, it's, it's challenging. But, you know, media houses just have to be creative and reinvent themselves. And the thing is, the reason I ask that is because I feel like when you're doing that much research, that's, that sounds very time, time intensive. It's not like, it's not a situation where you're like, you're necessarily building something tangible. You're mm. trying to get information that other people might have put out first. Yep. For example, if, I mean, I don't know if he still does it. I don't see a lot of news stories from him, but mm. Bucky, mm. Bucky got it. What is it called? Yeah, Bucky got it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, whatever that thing, whatever his his thing is, but Bucky used to just like it didn't matter if it was correct or it was he, he, he wasn't checked. It as mm. soon as he gets a piece of information, it's out there first. Mm -hmm. You understand? Know so like you're coming behind and saying, "Look, I have to do the, the I have to do my due diligence and make sure this is correct because I have a reputation." Mm -hmm. He's already out there. First of the story is already broken. Whether it's true, or false, or in between, right. it's already broken. No, you have to spend like what the next two three hours trying to make sure it's actually right. Mm -hmm. Like I just it's 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 a difficult yeah platform it's a difficult platform but the point you made about checking it to make sure it's right mm. that is where the profitability is because oh, okay. at the end of the day yeah Bucky may have gotten it first may have sent it out first but if you want the correct and I'm this is not a slight on Bucky because no it's not it's he, not this is his model and, and it works for him mm -hmm. but at the end of the day people want to check and and you're always encouraged even as a journalist or even if you're not a journalist you're always encouraged to check multiple sources. Mm -hmm to make sure your information is right. Yeah. So Bucky may have gotten it first. It's sent out. Mm -hmm. Okay, what does WinFM say? What does SK Newsline say? What and you're, compete, you're, you're comparing. Right, and you compare the, the information. So now you're able now to form an opinion on the information, whether the information is accurate or not. Because now you've gotten not just Bucky, but you've now gotten WinFM, you've now gotten SK Newsline, you've now gotten Freedom FM, you know, different platforms mm -hmm. to make sure now the information is corroborated. It's correct. Yes. Correct. Because now those establishments, they would have the staff to, to hire the people to make sure that they check the facts and make sure the facts are correct. So, so that's one aspect. Well, the, the other aspect, too, is that everybody um, has a different approach to news. Mm -hmm. So where, for example, and, and I've been here long enough to see how the media houses here op operate. operate. Mm -hmm. ZIZ's focus, for example, might be, okay, we're looking at this item 
um, and we're taking it from the government angle. Angle. Mm-hmm. Winifred might say, well, we're looking at this item and we're going to look at um, an analysis angle. We mm-hmm. try to get a political commentator to comment on this, mm-hmm. you know, and present their view on it. Freedom FM might have a different angle. Mm-hmm. I might have a totally different angle mm-hmm. on it. So, um, so you could tell one story in different ways. In four different, five four different, different, four, five different ways. Different, different because you're looking at it from, a dif- from different angles. You're talking to different people. Mm-hmm. And so you're getting different. I can look, you know, one of the best ways in which we get stories, for example, um, there's n- there can never be a slow news day. If you're really actively looking for news, you can never be a slow news what? day. What? No. Because they are, for us, we don't wait until things happen. We go out and we look for news. So, so you like, make news? No, sorry, that's we not don't that's create. That. No, no, <laughs> no, we don't. We don't make only, news. That's on a little night crawlish. I don't think I should move. And he just went out, had some people swoon, nah, and just nah. went with the camera. He was first on site. <laughs> okay, I no, understand. I mean there, there are a ton load of stories that are yet to be explored, mm-hmm. that um, people may not have seen it in that way, but the journalist who is, you know, meeting in a newsroom and and you know discussing it with your colleagues. Mm-hmm may be able to look, take different angles from it. So let's say, for example, now we're talking about this coronavirus. Which yes. Is the biggest story COVID right now. There are so many angles of coronavirus oh my God. that are yet to be explored. It's true. So the Prime Minister sent out a statement on the weekend. We did a story on that. that made our news yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we had the press conferences last week, the press conference last week from um, the yeah. chief medical officer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. However, we are seeing now what, what's happening. We see um, some countries are losing crews, um, Passengers, passengers because of their, their ship. We turned away a ship last week, which was in turn turned away from which country was it? Was it Antigua? There was a country recent like yesterday that wow. uh, I think it was Antigua, yeah, uh-huh. that, that turned away the same ship. Uh-huh. So, again, the question is what does this do for cruise tourism in the islands in St. Kitts Nevis? That angle still has not yet been told. Explored. You know, um, what, what happens to stay over tourism? There are talks about where well, we may have a recession as a result of the coronavirus. Uh, mm-hmm. what, you know, so there's so many angles. So rather than us waiting for the first coronavirus to come to St. Kitts Nevis mm-hmm. and then start doing a story, we could look at all these other angles mm-hmm. and generate stories from, from, this, from this one issue. From one issue. Yeah. So, because so then it, it becomes then, it's not just that you're looking at facts, you're looking at projections now. Right. You're, you're looking l- at projections, you're looking at other people who are involved, other you mm-hmm. know people who are stakeholders that are involved in this story. In this story, and yeah. and you know how, and then of course you have the health angle still. You still, can, you know how prepared are we? Do it's we true. have a an area for quarantine if we have persons identified with coronavirus? with coronavirus? What are the protocols? What steps are to be taken? There are so many stories to be told. Sure, and even from a health professional, what what how much information do we have about the health aspect of the coronavirus still? Um, yeah, that's that's another thing. I mean, I mean it, it's it's something new that we still, you know, we're not quite accustomed to yet. We don't know how this thing is going to work. We don't know how it's going to affect us. Um, there's still no vaccines for it as yet. So again, you know, the, the the health aspect of it. There's still so many angles we could tell from that. There's the economic, business, commercial side of it. There is the social aspect of it as well. Of course, mm-hmm. you know, people don't want to shake hands or, you know, even the way people do church is no different. Because, it's different, yeah. You know, because of, um, you know, the interactions, that the social interactions that we would normally have. We and the have events. To, the events, you know, there, there are talks about some music events in the States being canceled or postponed. Yeah. You know, um, South by Southwest yes. is, is canceled for the year and there are talks that Coachella may be postponed. So, if that's happening in the U.S. In the U.S. Mm-hmm. And we have a lot of U.S. tourists coming here. Which we depend on. on which we US depend tours. on. You know, what's going to happen here as well? And yeah. if there's an economic downturn deal, then of course it's only a matter of time before the cascade before happens. It happens here. It happens so, here. so basically, I mean, if, if we're actively looking for news, there are so many things, uh, so many angles that can be told from, from one, and that's just one story. That's mm-hmm. just one issue. You could do the same with several other issues. 
It's just a matter of um, having an eye for news, yeah. as we call it. Just looking at an issue and, and looking at something that may just be just totally left field mm-hmm. and you could generate news from it easily. Without, without having to necessarily without, need new content particularly. Without, without, exactly. It's just about following up or looking at an issue from a totally different angle that we, we don't know. There's so many things that we could look at. Do you, do you use the internet to get ideas for, yeah. for these angles? Okay. Certainly. Because, so, I mean, for, for YouTube, I, I could tell you, I think I get most of my insight from, from YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess because I'm a visual person that way and I, I respond to that information better. I, I digest that information right. much more readily. Um, but there are so much commentaries like eye-opening stuff, like yep. people come in, and because the, the the medium is free, the mm. the barrier for entry is zero. It's zero. All you need is a camera. You don't even need that. Like people yeah, do people use voiceovers and voiceovers. People use their phones. Still pictures yeah. and so on, and yeah. just comment. And it's just it's just a it's just a plethora. It's just a whole like a whole sea of yeah. voices to, yeah. to just hear from and and. and you know, just get new insight and, and, and just have new perspective. Yeah. One of the things I always tell my journalists, um, you know, that work for me is you can get news and interns. So sometimes I have interns in, mm-hmm. um, is take a look at what's going on in the world. Yeah. International news, regional news. We're all interconnected, especially yeah. in the Caribbean. You know, what happens in Antigua is not devoid of what happens here in Kits. Not like so. Um, so you could look at a story. I have, for example, I was watching a newscast from Antigua last night and just looking at it, I already got story ideas of what I can do here in St. Kitts. Wow. Because there are things that are happening in Antigua that are quite similar to what's happening here. St. Kitts, yeah. So it's just a matter of, okay, how do you localize this item? Mm-hmm. So um, we see, for example, now, a news just broke this uh, just today that Jamaica has the first, case of cur- the first positive case of coronavirus. Wow. Now, they're putting their protocols in. They're doing, they're now following the protocols they've set. Mm-hmm. Are we adopting a similar Protocol, um, system. protocol system here. Do what we have we a protocol at all? Well, that's the thing. We don't know. I mean, we, we should, and based on what the health authorities are saying, we do, but how much of it do we really know? Mm. Um, I was speaking to a medical doctor, for example, on, on the same issue, who said that the doctors don't really know what to do if they find a patient who is positive with the coronavirus. They don't know where to send them. They don't know what's the protocol because normally doctors would have a chain of command in terms of mm-hmm. what they should mm-hmm. do okay, this person has this, this is what you should do next, you should report this to this, you should do that. They don't have that for the coronavirus. And for him, for this doctor, he was concerned about that. So, um, so these are things that, again, so this it's is happening new, in Jamaica. But it's also related but to But it's us. also related to here. So, and, and international news stories, you'll watch a story internationally, whether it be in the US or Italy or Europe, somewhere in Europe, and you could get ideas from it. But again, you just have to have an, an eye for news and have your ears open. And, and look at things critically because that's what journalism is all about. It's about critical thinking mm-hmm. and, and looking at things from a critical standpoint. Sometimes as journalists, I guess because we're overworked sometimes and we're, you know, we yeah, have man. so many deadlines to meet. Yeah, man. You know, we overlook Every certain day. things. Yeah, we overlook certain things. And that is why, and going back to the point, the question you asked earlier about mm-hmm. profitability of news, the newsrooms in the, Car- in the Eastern Caribbean in particular, and just from my experience here in St. Kitts Nevis, are stressed because we don't have the resources we need to do the work that we need to do in the effective manner we need to do it. Wow. Um, if you look at the U.S., which is like oranges and apples, mm-hmm. CNN newsroom is well equipped. They have the people, the right people doing all the things that they need to do. You have people who are specializing in areas mm-hmm. as journalists and also even technical people who are specializing in areas. 
here in the Eastern Caribbean. You're it's doing a totally different story. You're doing everything. <laughs> so, I, 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 so you I'm, have one person doing three, four different things, you know, doing the job of three, four different people, but still getting paid for just one, just person, one thing, you yeah. know? So, and probably even less than what somebody who is not specializing in any country. Yeah, I, I used to work for ZAZ. I worked for ZAZ for about two and a half years. Mm-hmm. And I was a, I was a, a shooter in terms of a cameraman. Mm-hmm. I was an editor. Yep. Um, still did like technical work on the yep. side, created programming. <laughs> like it was yeah. just, did news, you know, and transmission. Mm-hmm. Like you're just doing all this stuff. You, I remember there were times, and people probably would notice, like, you would think that things are automated. Nah. They're not. There's not <laughs> no it's, automation. It's, it's there mine, is yeah. people, like, I remember loading up, we used to load up these, these, these better cam tapes. Like, they're like, they look like humongous um, VHS. Mm-hmm. Like, they're like three, four times the size of a VHS. Mm-hmm. And these machines, you load them into machines, you, pre- you literally press play at a moment and then <laughs> run and across the console to yeah. switch <laughs> to that. And then you, you t- if you time it just right, then nobody would be able to tell that there was a jump or there was a black screen or anything. Right, right. So you literally like, people think that this is, autom- it's not automated. No, it's, it's, not, it's, like, not as, it's not as automatic as people think. It's not as automatic. I mean, things have gotten a lot a lot better. I think, I mean, even speaking about ZZ, like they have made some, some, some technological right. gains, but they're still not anywhere close to why uh, we we are you know CNN like CNN no, is no. at the brink of of, of the technology oh, yeah. they, they, we are like we're far we're 10, far, 15, far, far. 20 years behind far far away I'll give you an example as you brought that up that's a brilliant example by the way of how much and I don't think people understand they, the word. they think it's easy it's no, not sad. Like, I'll, I'll tell people <laughs> look at SK Newsline right now, we have a very small company because we're a small company you know we're a startup phase so you know we don't have a ton of the money to hire the kind of people I want to have. So I do a lot of the production work. I have someone who is assisting me in production, who I've recently trained, um, who didn't have prior experience in that area, and she's doing a pretty good job. But I still have to do a bulk of the work when it comes to production. Mm. But I'm also doing news. But I'm also the director of the company. So I still have to do the business side side of things. And there are some days where I'm, I'm in meetings, having these meetings, I do you know, media consultancy on the side separately from that. So I'm doing work for that and then still have to come back and produce the news in the evening. By the time I get home, I am tired. Yeah, man. Yeah, uh, and then man. sometimes I find myself like sleeping, you know, and just getting up in the morning, just feeling tired like I didn't sleep. Yeah, like <laughs> you, you know, didn't have any. I, I haven't slept. So that's just one example. You have, for example, at some radio stations here, there isn't a radio station. Now, normally, how it should work, if you go to a big radio station in the States or even a big Caribbean country like Jamaica or Trinidad, mm-hmm. the host of a talk show, for example, uh. is not the producer of the no, show. No, no, that's just... It's just it's not the student engineer. None of that. Sound guy, nothing. None of that. He just goes behind the microphone. Does his job. Does his job. The producer already has the guests or whoever it is lined up. The sound engineer is there taking the calls and sending in. All you have to do is stay behind the mic. You come with your facts. You make sure you have your research done. Mm-hmm. And you speak from your research. And you take your calls. And you, you interact with your callers, etc. A talk That's show host here no, man. is a student engineer, <laughs> producer, yeah, man, interviewer. They have to do their own research. They have to sit behind the console board. They have to control the and phones. And fix anything that goes <laughs> and wrong. And fix anything that goes wrong. Play ads, all of these things. That doesn't, that's not how it's supposed to be. 
But again, the stations here, they don't have the resources to hire all the people. And even if they did, they probably wouldn't because, you know, small market, they want to make sure that they maximize, they yeah. maximize on, on the, on the and staff the potential. they have. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. You're so, the, and the thing is, it's, it, the, the thing is to, there's an established culture of that. It's, mm. not, it's not, sometimes there are companies that I think they do make enough to have multiple people on right. staff to do, to, to at least share the work a little bit more equally. Right. But the culture is not that. The culture is that I learned this way. Yep. I did six jobs at once, which <laughs> and that was a good, that's a very good example because I've, this is, I think these are examples that we actually see. Like at ZAZ in the council, that's not a place where people would ever be. Mm -hmm. But when you go on WinFM or you're going, any, any news, any, any news, any freedom, mm -hmm. everything. Yep. Like you're going to see the guy who is interviewing you, literally shifting, moving yep. dials, yep. doing every single thing. Yep. And then he's going to be the one to brief you about what's going to happen next, yep. what your questions are. <laughs> yep. like, like, and I'm like, yeah. this is still happening. Like, it, it was so weird. The other day I had a, um, an interview with Jihan. Um, she has a show, I think it's called Youth Beat yes. on mm -hmm. Wednesdays. And I had an interview with her and she was doing, there was no one else yeah. there. Yeah. She was doing Everything. Everything. She is mm -hmm. literally mixing, going to break, organizing her own guests, yep. organizing the topics. So she's doing so like guests, four, four different persons. That's like four or five different jobs. Yeah. yeah. And and it's it, it, it boggles the mind because it's like, okay, are we trying to even move away from that? I don't think so. I think, as you said, as you rightfully say, it's a culture. And in a sense, it's not entirely bad because I remember speaking to some university students um, in Jamaica about the media and, and, and these were journalism students, media students. Mm -hmm. And I pointed out to them this scenario that in Jamaica, you don't really have that problem because most of the bigger media companies, they have the right people in the right places. Yes. In the, in the Eastern Caribbean where the media, where the media houses are smaller, the economies of scale are smaller, um, you, you're doing three, four different jobs. However, the mm -hmm. advantage to that is if I were to go to the US to work, I'm going with the skill of three, four different people. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah, because now I'm a producer, I'm a studio engineer, I'm a journalist, I'm a host, a talk show host. I'm four different people in one. So when I go to a, a big corporation to, to get hired, my CV is going to look very pretty. That's the thing. <laughs> and that's, that, that's if you even... And, and maybe, maybe that's a good point because I think... I don't even know if we understand because when i was working that i just i just i just thought that that's just how it works yeah like a technique a, a, a transmission technician is is a one person job yeah you're queuing up tapes you're mixing audio you're doing everything mm -hmm. and i felt like that was just so so in the header i am just putting studio technician <laughs> yeah. you know if, yeah. if, if i'm editing i'm just putting cameraman yeah not cameraman <laughs> editor, editor yeah. like you know driver um, field up, up, you know, yeah, like yeah. interviewer, reporter, because sometimes, and, and that's one thing that they, they trust you. Man, when I first looked at journalism, I thought what I was going to do was camera work. Mm -hmm. Right? The audience, they probably heard it a million times, but like when I got to ZAZ, like when we were finally hired, because we went in another internship, when we were finally hired, the guy was like, do you have girlfriends? Like, <laughs> it was about three of us, and he was like, do you guys, do you, do you guys have girlfriends? And he, I'm like, I was proud. I was like, yeah, I'm my sweetheart, you know? And he's like, yeah, you're not going to have any girlfriends in this, <laughs> in this job. That's, that's pretty interesting. And, and I'm like, you know, he's joking. Like, he got me kidding. <laughs> Guy was not kidding. Yep. Like, when you're going to work at 7 and you're leaving at 10 in the evening, like, 
and that's a regular schmegular day. It's not like an, mm-hmm. a, a, a not abnormally long day. Mm-hmm. Like your hours on your timesheet don't even reflect the hours that you're spending nope. at the studio. When they tell you you're coming in from eight and you're gonna go to twelve and then you're gonna break from twelve to four and then you come back in at four to go to eight, that that never happens. No, no. Like we just that. end up working anyway. Yeah, you just eat your lunch in front of the computer. You eat your lunch in front because <laughs> the, the thing is the 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 working parts like they only used to um highlight when you would go out and actually actively shoot Mm -hmm. but as you said the editing takes up the majority of the time so like when you come back in if you're not finished the edit and you're off you still kind of yeah have to finish the edit yeah it's it's a lot of work it's a lot of work and the thing is again they don't tell you all the pieces that attach because you're going as a cameraman you're going to end up being a reporter because sometimes you won't have a reporter the yeah, so the cameraman has to go out and ask questions. Exactly. You, you, I <laughs> yeah. remember there was one specific instance where I, I think I had to do an interview with one of the ministers. It was Asim Martin. Mm-hmm. And like over the phone, they were like, um, ask him this, ask him about this, and also ask him about this and this. I'm like, wait, wait, what? What? Repeat it. Because <laughs> like I'm literally at this press conference and we're supposed to interview. I'm supposed to interview this guy, but I have no reporter. Mm. So they repeat it. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't even know some of the jargon they use. I don't know about these stories. I have yeah. no intimate knowledge right, of right. these because stories. Because you're, you're not a journalist. You're, I'm not, you're not covering the story. even close. Like, I, yeah. I didn't plan this. I just, <laughs> I see an assignment in a book and it says, go here and tape yeah. this press conference. And I'm like... I said, Martin, is it okay? Great, let's just do it. Yeah. And I got out there and I, I'm trying to, I'm feverishly trying to f- remember these questions and I cannot remember the questions. So I reach up to the guy and I'm like, um, could you tell me about the project that you're working on? No. <laughs> right? <laughs> and he's like, yes. And he starts, like, he just, it's almost like they had some kind of meeting prepared before because he just rolls out all this information. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, and when do you think that this is going to you know, happen? Mm-hmm. And he's like, rolls out an extra information. And I'm like, well, I hope that's it. Because, <laughs> you know, I don't know if you've, ever, you've interviewed ministers before. Yeah. They, they tend to just, they just go. Like, it's almost yeah. like they have this script in their head. And they just... Oh, yeah, and that's the purpose of the press conference. The purpose of the press conferences are to, the, well, is to... Spew their information. Spew. <laughs> so relentlessly. Yeah. So that that's the whole idea. But yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about because a lot of um, you know media houses suffer the same fate. Um, I think in some some of the other islands, it's probably a bit different. In like in Saint Lucia, because I know the TV there are at least what three TV stations, I think, or two local TV in, stations in Saint Lucia. Yeah, and they have they have a pretty from the little knowledge I know of you know the media landscape there mm. they have a core of cameramen and reporters okay. so it's it, they're not they don't really struggle so much with the short staff mm-hmm. issue um but most of the media houses i've worked for and i've worked for quite a few between jamaica and here mm. and st martin and they're always always been short staff always always I've, I've never worked in an environment where we had enough reporters to do the job that we needed to do uh, and it's like it's like again they do, they look at you and say okay you have a decent voice I feel like you could go on t-. that's how it was <laughs> you know you you know that that's how yeah. it that's how it is it's yeah. like you 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 sound good so you're gonna so go, you, on you're, you're go on camera you're gonna go on camera okay you could understand how to work let me show you and it's like I remember the first time they showed us how to 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 work this instrument called a camera right this mm. ENG Sony that could shoot in no light 
you know, and has battery life that could last for a day. Mm. You know, just ridiculous, just ridiculous technology. And then I'm like, this is how you record. Mm. This is how you zoom. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm like, what? I feel like this is a little under... You'll be fine. <laughs> you'll so okay. you connect it to a tripod. All the tripods are the same. So, you know, like... You just slide it in and you lock. And you this is how you press record. And this is how you zoom. That's, that's and you just put it on automatic and they just send you off. Yeah, you. You're basically thrown to the sharks. Um, and <laughs> you just have to swim. You'll be fine. Yeah. And don't shake the camera too much. That, like, <laughs> what is this? What is this? It's not it's not supposed to be that way, but it happens. It and just happens. And and it's yeah. like if if you sink, you, you just you judge by fire. Like if you go out there, there's an important news story and you screw up. Yeah. Of course, they're gonna tell you you screw up, and you're gonna get the thunder under your yep. under your backside. But yep. at the end of the day, they're gonna send you out tomorrow again. Yeah. To like, because just it's the real world. It's 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 how. I mean, again, I'm I'm I I I'm not, I don't know the intimate details of ZIZ in terms of the business side of things, mm-hmm. but we understand. And being in the media, being in a similar industry, similar um, media type, yeah. I understand. I understand why they have to do these things because. You don't have the staff to do everything that you need to do. You don't and have so the you, money. You, you don't, don't have, have the money the, yeah. to hire the kind of people you need. So no, you just have to. Case. I mean, just about everybody who works for me kind of doubles up in in some some area, capacity, some, some, some capacity, or some area. Right, and they do it willingly because you know they love what they do, and that's the whole key. Um, once you love what you do, you really don't see it. You know, I mean, you you know it's a lot of work. You know you're being overworked and you're underpaid, but because you love it, you just do it. You just do it. That's why I stayed at ZZ for two and a half years. <laughs> yeah, you just underpaid, it. overworked. I mean, I mean, it, it, it got to a point, man, where it was, a, it was just a little, just a little ridiculous. I remember one time I spent um, without sleeping. I think it was thirty six hours. Wow! Like straight, I did thirty six hours straight. Stayed at the studio all night. Nobody was there. Wow! Stayed at the studio all night to finish this thing that was supposed to happen because we had a a morning show. Right. Yeah. Um, on the platform, I think it was called. Mm-hmm. On the platform with Wanda and Larry. Right. Um, and we had this Valentine's Day thing, and I just meant that it was going to be good, and mm-hmm. my name was on it. I produced it. Right. And just the prayer just worked like, like a dog. Like, and that's the thing. I mean, there are a lot of things I'm doing right now, even in my business, which I could probably take shortcuts because I don't have the staff, I don't have the money to hire the staff, you know. So why not just do it this way? Do it quick. Because, again, as you rightfully say, your name is on it. Name on you it. Know, you got to make sure it's done well. And so that's, that for me is, is what drives me and what keeps me working so hard. Because at the end of the day, I want when people watch it that they say, yeah, that was good. And I've gotten a lot of that. Mm. So that is an encouragement for me to always maintain the quality. I cringe when something goes out and it's not... Produce. It's not good. It's yeah, not. It, it's not, it's not well. the way I want it to be. It's not good it's enough. Not well. And people could tell know. the difference. I don't know. Okay, Mr. Huey. No, the reason I brought you on the show is because mm. I want you to talk about something that um, I think basically affected me when I was going to high school, and I see it affecting more people. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in high school, I wasn't. I mean, I was super fat, more <laughs> fat than no, um, by far, and I wasn't really that good at sports at all. And one thing that happened after high school, I remember one of my friends, she, she was talking to me the other day, and she says she was a, a victorious Lodorum. And she was, like, the top, you know, athlete at the school and whatnot. And now that she's left school, her kids have talents in, mm. in sports. But she's, like, kind of discouraging them from mm. going down 
I'm going out the pack because she says, like, at the end of the day, it didn't really do much for her. She has, like, a bunch of gold medals and some mm. trophies. But in terms of, like, the sacrifice that she made for her scholistic, for, for the scholastic part of school, mm-hmm. um, it didn't really turn out to, to work for her benefit. Right. Um, so she's kind of discouraging, discouraging her, her kids. I don't know. How do you feel about, how do you feel about that sentiment? What, I mean, you, you, you don't just report news, you report sports, sports yeah. and you, have a, you seem to have an affinity for it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think about it? Well, it's, first of all, that's, it's, it's kind of disappointing to hear that. Uh, and I don't think she should discourage her children from doing sports. Um, because I think we, the, the attitude we've had to, towards sports in the Caribbean, which I wasn't thinking about it today before coming here, mm-hmm. and I think it's quite ironic that in the Caribbean, we do so well in sports, but yet, from the government level to even the social, you know, the everyday man, we still don't seem to understand the value of sports Bye. and what sports can do for us from an economic standpoint, from a financial standpoint in terms of personal finances and, and wealth and the opportunity to live, to earn a living from sports. We, still, we still don't understand the full gamut of how much we can maximize sports to our advantage. Mm. We could, as a region, generate so much in GDP mm. from sports Especially when you consider that some of the greatest sports men and women come from the Caribbean. You talk about Usain Bolt. Yeah. He's the world record holder in the 100 meters, 200 meters. The For fastest sure. man ever lived. Right here from the Caribbean. Why haven't we been able to harness that energy and make, you know, More. I mean, Usain is obviously, right now he's retired mm-hmm. at 30 something. And he could live off his retirement, <laughs> for his earnings for, on, for the rest of his life. Yeah, it's true. You know, so... Usain Bolt's success is not rare because you see Kirani James from Grenada doing it. You see um, several other athletes. I mean, cricket, for example. Yeah. You mean uh, Chris Gale, one of the most accomplished cricketers from in the world in the world right now, who is highly sought after, even at the the ripe old age of forty. (laughs) He's still he's still being sought after by a lot of these T Twenty leagues across the world to come and play um, for their teams. Um, and he is—he's—he he's, could basically retire right now because he has—you know—he's earned a lot from mm-hmm. cricket. Um, he has business; he's branched out in other businesses right now. So he could really could take a, take a—you know—a break, a yeah. break, and and, and live off his, off his earnings and, and and focus on his other businesses. Um, so, so to go back to the point you made earlier with the, the, the your friend who is trying to discourage—I don't think she should discourage her children from doing sports. I'm not going to tell anyone how to raise their children, but I—I mm. I still believe that despite the lack of investment in sports to take student athletes to the next level, mm. there are still a lot of opportunities and other ways for student athletes to branch off. Um, depending on the sport, of course, that you're competing in, there are opportunities to get scholarships mm-hmm. to go abroad. Now, the powers that be may not have put things in place, which they should have, to um, have scouts come here and check out the talent that's here. But if you're good enough and you push yourself hard enough, you'll be able I mean... For example, let me use tennis. Tennis is a sport that is on the uprise again in St. Kitts. Oh, really? Yeah, because um, it was in the doldrums for a long time. A long time, because when very, I was growing up, tennis was just a pastime. That wasn't yeah. a serious. And when I came here 10 years ago, um, the tennis courts at the Warner Park tennis, uh, Stadium awful. Were, were awful. They were mm. like somebody dropped an atomic bomb in them. And done, yeah. Yeah. In the last three years, the courts have been refurbished. Mm. The Tennis Association has been revived. They just recently had um, elections um, in January, so they now have a new executive. And uh, for the last two years, they've been organizing domestic tournaments. Really? They, they, yeah, they just recently had 
um, well, in November, they hosted a, an ITF Junior Tournament here in St. Kitts Nevis. Yeah, right at the Warner Park. And they also, um, they, they repainted um, one of the courts at the Netball City to host some of the games. Mm-hmm. So they just had that. And that was your first entry into doing ITF tournaments since they revived. I did not know that yeah. tennis was on you. I mean, I saw the, don't get me wrong, me and me, family, sometimes we go, not mm. my family, my family and my church friends. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we would go and like play a little tennis. Cause we, we, it's fun, right? Yeah, it is. But yeah. I mean, I realized that the, t- the tennis court was revived because we yeah. used to go there sometimes, of course, there was only one functioning. Right. Partly functioning, yeah, with, with a lot of holes, a lot of holes in it. I mean, <laughs> you just had to look at where you're going. You know? Just map out where if you're gonna go left or right, just right. map out this is where. And, this it, is and the hopefully, lane. hopefully, when it drops in one of those holes, it doesn't divert it, and, and it, go somewhere else. Well, I mean, you, even you if it does, this is a friendly <laughs> game. Nobody, 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 no, nobody thinks they're gonna win. Like yeah. you just play it because it's fun, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'm very good at it either. Let me not, let me not play like, <laughs> some tennis expert. I'm not no, you ain't have no Serena Williams yeah. working yeah. in the wings. That's my sport actually. I, I played it in high school. I represented my high school. We did. I played the last time I played before like, going to play just for fun with, mm. with my church friends and so on. We I used to play it in in high in primary school. Mm-hmm. I used to go to St. Joseph Primary School and we used to play. They had a, a diversity of sports there. Yeah, I mean, you had volleyball, you had like football, um, yeah. and tennis. Right, was a big thing too. Uh, and you could choose either one, and you played. Played. I, I chose tennis one. I was too short. I felt like I was too short. <laughs> and I wasn't really hitting the ball. Well, right. I, I enjoyed it in my high school days. I, I played for my high school back in Jamaica, uh, representing them, and yeah, it was fun. It was I, fun. I enjoyed the the years. The I experience. Played. But tennis know, is on the upswing now. It's on the upswing, and the association has basically said, "Look, there there are even scholarship opportunities." What in that, tennis? In tennis, yeah. So you could play in the junior level here, get scholarships to go to the US and play, and play for colleges in the US. There are scholarship opportunities in track and field. Um, in cricket, you could, well, previously, I, I, that's not the case now, but previously the University of the West Indies had uh, what you call, they had a, a unit at the Cave Hill campus in Barbados where you could uh, play cricket at the junior level, mm-hmm. go there at, at Cave Hill, study while playing for, at the time they were called, I, I, the name slips me right now, please forgive me, but they had a unit there that was actually training players to, to to they had a team that played in the domestic leagues wow. and was and and you, the players could have transitioned from there to West Indies while at the same time studying there there are players out of Dominicans and Vincent when they're they studied they got their degree and they played for the West Indies while also representing the United Islands at the domestic level what are you saying yes. i never heard of this no it's the unit is no longer there because uh-huh. the, the previous board disbanded it mm-hmm. but there's still opportunities for young players to come through the ranks and to play and to play professionally for the West Indies. We saw Alzari Joseph out of Antigua, mm-hmm. who's now playing in the West Indies. He got picked for one of the teams at the Indian Premier League. He played in the, he played in the Indian the Premier League. His first appearance in the IPL, he took, I think it was like four wickets in one over or something like that. Uh, he got injured, so he wasn't able to continue the rest of the tournament. Mm-hmm. But he was a sensation the first in that match. first game. And I'm sure, and he's, I'm not quite sure of his earnings, but I'm sure. He's earning a pretty good salary. Yeah, because the IPL is like the biggest yeah, league the biggest, in the world. It's the biggest league in the world. And, and most of course, money. he's making money playing for the West Indies as a professional player uh-huh. as well as for the West Indies. And he's just in his early 20s. So, so again, just going back to that, I yeah. mean, you have an opportunity to earn more than what most people would earn just working a regular job mm-hmm. playing for the West Indies if you were if you of get course. picked on the team. But then now, you would have to be exceptional. Exceptional. But even if you don't get picked for the West Indies, the West Indies has professionalized the sport. On the domestic level, so if you play for the Leeward Islands or you play for Windward Islands, 
you still actually get paid. paid. Yeah, playing for those teams. So you could be a full-time cricketer, but not You could be a full-time cricketer, yeah, even if you're not on the West Indies. And then, of course, if you perform well enough, you could get picked for a CPL team when the CPL comes around. And mm-hmm. again, that's another earning you could get. So right throughout the year, you basically could earn a very decent salary playing cricket mm-hmm. as a full-time cricketer. That's just one sport. So again, there are, there are opportunities. The, the, the challenge, I think, is the policymakers haven't yet bridged the gap between the opportunities and the sport, developing mm-hmm. the sport on the domestic level and then bridging the, opportuni- bridging the gap between what you do domestically mm-hmm. and the opportunities that exist. Um, Why? Well, before, let me preface, preface my, my, my answer by saying that the government currently, they're putting together a sports policy. They've, they've hired someone out of Trinidad. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trinidad has a, you know, a, a pretty well-developed sports policy, and they they've also have a, a sports company that actually helped to develop you know, sports across the country on a, on a, to try to take it to a professional level. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so they're now engaging um, an, a consultant out of Trinidad to help to develop a sports policy here. So, so I put that out there to say that the government is at least working on something. So we'll see what happens in a few months. Mm-hmm. However, I think, again, going back to the point I made earlier, I don't think that the governments have, are, are serious about um, what sports can actually do for the country and what it can do for people, even though they've seen individual successes. Yeah, yeah. Using both the Shelley and Fraser Price. I almost feel like they look at it like a, that's an anomaly. Yeah, it's like, well, not just an anomaly. They just take it for granted, I think. Mm. Um, it's just the same with music. I mean, you could look at a, a, a country like Jamaica, for example, mm. that produces... Artists talent, upon artists. Artists upon mm-hmm. artists. But yet, they still feel that there's a lot that government can do for them, which hasn't been done, to help develop the industry to a level where... It's one, you protect the industry, you protect the artists, you protect their work. Mm-hmm. That doesn't really exist at a very vibrant level in Jamaica as yet. What? Despite all these decades of, you know, producing. Now, you do have the yeah, copyright societies and the copyright boards doing their things, mm-hmm. but they still want additional support from government that will help expand. I mean, yes. There's a debate right now, for example, in Jamaica, where um, the, the, the entertainers and, and pr- promoters are calling for um, facilities to be developed for the performing arts, where people can have events and host events. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, they are facilities, but, you know, they're not dedicated no, to just music. No, they're not. No, no, no. You know, they're dedicated to other aspects. Of course. After they they, they make years. multiple... It's always... And the thing is, I've seen that happen here too. It's yeah. interesting. If, it, if you're building a facility, it's like, it has to be a multi-purpose facility. Yeah. Like, and I'm like, but that, that doesn't... I mean, even the one that they're looking to build, the indoor sporting facility, it's going to be multi multi... But uh, I think the they're thing. thinking of it as a multi, multi-purpose. But facility. they've been using. But they've been saying that they've been saying even with the indoor facility, they've been promoting it as a, 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 a visual arts um, yeah. uh, facility. But yeah. at the same time, still saying it's also an indoor sporting facility. Yeah. I'm like you. You're basically trying to do two things, and and I mean, being a visual artist myself, mm-hmm. uh, being someone who's in the arts, um, it's it's always going to be that's going to be the sacrificial lamp mm-hmm. because. Um, the ads are not gonna get the audience that the sporting fans will, right. will, will get. Like and, it, and it's they're actually two competing um, fields. I remember speaking to a, a promoter slash sound engineer who um, felt who well he had a, a difficulty with a sporting facility here in St Kitts, mm-hmm. um, not finishing their events on time so that the facility could have been available for music festival. Oh, you know, and so this and, 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 and his argument was the government needs to build 
a facility for the performing arts. Yes, yes, specifically. It, it, it's something that is, and I agree with him, you, you do need to have a facility for that. Mm-hmm. But don't discard sports either. And that's an issue I have personally because I'm very passionate about sports and seeing sports being developed. Mm-hmm. I think, as I said, sports can bring in a lot of um, money to the economy and I'll, at the same time, you know, create an industry that people can be hired and people can be... We see what happens when the CPL comes here. Yes, yeah, sure. For, for two, three weeks. Yeah, vibrant we see the, the kind of... Yeah, the, the economy is, is revived. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of money comes into the economy as a result of CPL for just two weeks. Yeah, sure. Now, just imagine if we were to create a, a, a year-round effect mm-hmm. or close to a year-round effect mm-hmm. or maybe something similar to the tourism industry where you have six months out of the year, you have something happening that generates income. Mm-hmm. Because the challenge that we have in St. Kitts and Nevis and most of the Caribbean is that we don't have the economies of scale mm. to create an industry. So True. in other words, we can't necessarily have a professional basketball league or a professional football league mm-hmm. because we don't have enough people to, 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 to regularly fill the, the, the venues for, mm-hmm. to, make, to make it profitable. Mm-hmm. So even if a club or a few clubs were to come together and, and decide we're going to professionalize our sport and, and, and see money come through this and pay our players to play for us and all these things, it's only going to last up to a certain point because exactly. there's not enough money. There's, not, there's, there's never going to be enough returns. Right, not in returns. Especially as if the circuit is only enclosed within one small, exactly. one small space. And then, of course, you would have to have outside investment. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you know, investors coming in and buying up a club and, and professionalizing that club. And then they would ha- also need to see how are they going to make back your Their money, money. Mm-hmm. in order to, to make that investment? Which is why the, the IPL um, does so well because right. the IPL has an inbuilt, in, in India, yep. there's already an inbuilt audience. There's yep. 1.5 billion people. Yeah, exactly. So with, mm-hmm. well, 1.3. But with that, with those billions, even if you have like, and, it, and the culture just of 1%, India. Just 1%. You don't need 1%. 1% yeah. And the culture is a cricket the, culture. It's a cricket culture. Yeah. So it's not even that you're getting 1%. You may no, be getting closer to 15, yeah. 20, 25% of people e- trying easily. to get the in the stands, yeah, easily. and also not just the stands, but buying the the the, the memorabilia, buying yeah, the the you know the events that surround go. the cricket. The, there the, you the go. Cricket. There you go. It's the just business of sports. The business of sports because mm. I, I don't think you, you're right. I don't think we are looking at this in the most total, mm. the, the, the most the, the, the best view that we should look. at. It's not just about stand tickets. Mm-hmm. It's about branding. It's about having yep. shirts and things and selling things. It, yep. This sport opens up doors for other things to be sold. So People are going things. to show yeah. their fandom by having and collecting things. Yep. But you have to create and stimulate that sort of culture. Yep. Otherwise, and people are going to just say, well, you know, you're going to watch some football and then yeah, football. Yeah, yeah, exactly, it. exactly. I mean, you, you look at CPL. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to get a Patriots at a T-shirt. A t-shirt or they want yeah. to get a, a, a replica jersey or something to do with the Patriots exactly. around CPL time. So that's a clear example. So we don't have the economies of scale. We don't have the, the, the market to create a professional industry. But what we can do is we can create the environment that provides opportunities for a sportsman. Going back to the point I made about bridging the gap between the opportunities mm-hmm. and the, what we do domestically. So, so your friend, for example, who mm-hmm. says, you know, doesn't want to get her children involved in sports, depending on the sport they're doing, they could leave school. Now, granted, there may not be scholarship opportunities available through the government to go and, you know, pursue that sport or get an opportunity to go. But um, there are avenues. We don't have to depend on the government yeah, sure. to provide those opportunities. There are ways and means in which you can get um, scholarships. scholarships for your athletes to go abroad. and to go. Women's football, let's use that for example. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of opportunities for women's football. To, for players in women's football to get opportunities to go 
to the U.S. because women's football is very vibrant in the U.S. Oh, it is? professional standpoint. Yes, it is. A, yeah, because they were winning the other day, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, so, so all of a sudden. So now, you even, um, in the early days, you had players leaving the U.K., which is the, the hotbed of football. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Women players leaving the U.K. to go to the U.S. because at the time... Contracts were there. Right, contracts were there. Um, the women's football wasn't as developed yet in the UK in terms of from a professional standpoint. So they were leaving to go to the US, to go to colleges, and eventually play for teams there. Mm-hmm. Now in the UK, it's, it's, it's developed. No, it's, it's, it's becoming in, in its own. Mm. So now, you know, UK players now can stay home and, and, and do and that. And play. But the opportunities were there. Now, let, let me use Jamaica as an example. Uh, Jamaica has done farewell in sports, um, in athletics. Amazing. Recently, mm-hmm. it was only recently with the success of Usain Bolt, Asafa Powell, Shelley and Fraser Price, Sharon Simpson, all these athletes, that Jamaican athletes decided, look, I don't need to go to the U.S. I could stay right at home, join one of these um, training camps, these, these, these track clubs, mm-hmm. and, and stay right at home, train, live at home, and compete competitively. Usain did not go to the U.S. He did not um, take up an opportunity to go to colleges, even though he got a lot of offers. Of, of course. He stayed right there. He trained with Glenn Mills in, in, in Jamaica at the Racers Track Club. Um, Asafa Paul remained at MVP Track Club before he moved over to Racers. Um, MVP Track Club had a slew of star athletes in Sharon Simpson, Shelly and Fraser Price, who is still there, Elaine uh, Thompson, who is still there at, 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 at uh, MVP. And they all stayed there, trained. After they left high school, they made straight into professional. Mm-hmm. And now they are the best in the world. The best in the world. <laughs> and they didn't have to go to the US. Now that's Jamaica, that's an exception. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Here, we don't really have that vibrancy in terms of... I mean, we do have track clubs and stuff, mm. but we don't have that vibrancy in terms of... Uh, and the talent pool, mm. like Jamaica does. But there are scouts that come all the time looking for athletes that want athletes. Um, you know, uh, you leave high school, you, you go to Washi, you go to, to SEMS, and you, you're one of the top athletes at SEMS. Why can't you join a track club and maybe through that track club get a, a scholarship opportunity to go to the U.S. Yeah, yeah. And you know, further, further your, your, your goals. Yeah. Uh, scouts come all the time at Carifta Games to see the, the what talent, talent we have. Yeah. And then you could pick up, a, hopefully pick up a scholarship from there. But because the ecosystem is not here for us to, okay, as soon as you leave or as you compete at into school, you might have a scout there that might pick you up and say, look, I want to give you a scholarship opportunity. That might not be available here. Or, or, or even say a Puma or Adidas come in and say, well, I'm going to sponsor an athlete if they're willing to go pro because mm-hmm. that's what happens in Jamaica after um, boys and girls champs in Jamaica which happens in March um, you know there are athletes who leave high school and go straight pro because they realize well you know I could make a living from this I could take my parents and, and there's also the there's also a window of opportunity there too I mean it's yeah. not like it's not like you're going to get any younger going and waiting exactly. for, for 10 so years so you could go pro you could decide to go pro but we've, ha- we've seen success stories. So it's not impossible. We've seen success stories right here. Yeah, in Saint- Saint- Kim Collins. Kim Collins, Virgil Hodge. Virgil, Virgil Hodge. Hodge. Yeah. yeah, competed professionally for years. So why, why can't we have... I mean, I mean there are talents coming out of the schools that are just as good as Virgil and Kim. Mm-hmm. Why can't they get, not get a scholarship or opportunity? Is it... Is it okay. Uh, this is probably me asking you this based on your own opinions, but... Is it possible or would it, be, would it make more sense to identify possible potential mm. in, in these primary school events mm. and then see if you could nurture that, that, that ability and, 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 and encourage that, that growth 
through the high school. So that at least it's not because I mean we have as you say, we have a very small talent pool. It's not mm. like to say you have a million people like Jamaica, you know, two million people, mm. um, to say, okay, we're gonna we're gonna find the, the, the great one here. Uh, one is gonna pop up every twenty thousand. Right. You know, the, the one in every twenty thousand in Saint Kitts is, is is one, maybe yeah. maybe and it's still two. big. It's still, it's still huge actually. Uh, that's that's <laughs> that's a lot, right? Yeah. Um so maybe it is, okay. We cause I knew when I was in primary school, there were a lot of, 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 of young men who were exceptional. Mm -hmm. And of course, they go to high school and it's like, yeah, uh, you know, it, I run for fun, not, yeah, not, not because not, I could see it. And it happens in all the sports too. Can you hear players like for football say, you know, they play for the community, they play for fun. Yeah, for they, fun. They're not, they're not really interested in, you know, going abroad and maybe and pursuing it but it's, it's, it's not and, and we we have had some people who have gone abroad and done well mm -hmm. um kikayamba gums yeah atiba harris, atiba harris was yeah. so yeah. like there, there are success stories that happen but i just i just feel like people don't and I, I don't know if we as you said maybe we're not taking we're not taking it and I, and that's why i seriously. said at the start i said that it, it's actually on both ends mm. the the authorities from the government standpoint and i i really do hope that the sports sports policy when it's done will really address some of these issues and it will be taken seriously. Yeah. But yeah. we're not taken seriously. And even the student athlete, mm. they also have to take it seriously. They have to realize, look, I'm good at this. I'm not just going to waste my talent or waste my scholastic years doing this. Mm -hmm. First of all, let me just say too, and, and this is another thing that I, 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 is a pet peeve of mine. I don't believe that athletes are any less uh, intelligent mm -hmm. than a student who does well in the academics. Without it, without athletics. Yeah. And I also don't think that, um, yes, academics are, they're, they're important and we should, that's the central reason why students go to school. So mm -hmm. we, we, we focus on that. But I don't think, I don't necessarily think that the academics are any more important than sports. Especially mm. if the student is talented in a certain in, area, in an area in certain mm. certain in certain. I mean, you look at an athlete like Kobe Bryant, for example. I mean, Kobe, Kobe Bryant was intelligent. He doesn't have a, uni a college degree. Didn't mm. went to university, but he's a he brilliant man. He's probably more brilliant than a lot of people who went through the process and got a degree. Yeah, true. He was a sportsman, mm. but he was he, also he was also very brilliant. Mm. Um, and there are countless examples. I mean, Kirani James, for example, he's studying while competing. And, and, and playing his trade as a, as a sportsman. So it doesn't mean like you have to choose to be a sportsman no, and not nothing if, else. If you have the talent and you're really serious about making a living and, and making a career out of this, I think you should pursue it. Not at the expense of your academics, of course, because mm -hmm. you need to have something to fall back on. Of course. Sports doesn't work. But at the end of the day, I don't think sports is any less important than academics and, and, and can go hand in hand. And if there are people who, I mean, in the US, and this is one of the beautiful things about the US, is that they have that structure where students have the opportunity to compete as student athletes, get scholarship opportunities, get opportunities to complete their education, to, 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 to pursue a university degree. education mm -hmm. and a degree, and at the same time compete competitively in sports. And of course, their grades have to be at a certain level in order to be maintained on the, on the sports. That could, be, that could be a very, we could divulge into that very deeply because, yeah. of course, there's a lot of compromises and conflicts mm -hmm. it, just in that arrangement alone because yeah. I mean the, the, the colleges do make a lot of money and I and I believe the athletes should be paid but that's and, another story for another that's a next, that's <laughs> a next, of course that's a next that's a but, next story for another but, time. but, but we see it true. also in Jamaica um, and I keep going back to the Jamaica example because I know it that very well mm -hmm. um, schoolboy football is a big thing in Jamaica schoolboy football schoolboy football um, you, you flick on sports max during the, the schoolboy football season you can watch football games of high school students competing in Jamaica competitively on the sporting arena. What? Yeah, it's, it's a big thing. The school I went to in Jamaica, 
Um, actually, no, they're now the current champions. They're the, the All Island champions. They they were very they were always very good. They had a good history in in, in football. Mm-hmm. They won the rural Jamaica championship, mm-hmm. and then they play the the team from Kingston in the in, in the, the All the, Island championship, uh-huh. and they won that as well. So they won everything that was on on display. What? And um and, and congrats. And, yeah, man, thanks. <laughs> so so a lot of these players mm-hmm. get the opportunity now to go because when when the team wins, they get an opportunity to travel to the U.S. to play other other know, circuits circuits high school and colleges in the U.S. There are scouts there. There's an opportunity for a player there to get chosen to play maybe MLS, exactly. maybe soccer, or mm-hmm. maybe in the USL, which is the lower division, mm-hmm. but still a professional league. What? So, again, opportunities. The opportunities are there. But the question is, how much do we know about them? One. Mm-hmm. How much do we really want to know about them? Yeah, Two. true, true, true. Because, again, it takes me back to the point. A, a student athlete who really wants to pursue this as a profession will now try to find, you know, find ways in which they can get information. You know, maybe prompt their parents to get them into a, a track club or, or a football team or something where they can get opportunities. And most uh, of these track clubs, I mean, they're so, it's so accessible. Yeah. I mean, they would take you, even if you're not like, I'm not saying it's that easy. everybody, even if you're not an exceptional person mm-hmm. and you're committed and you're dedicated, they will, they will, they will take you as mm-hmm. part of the club. You could, you could join. Yep. And you're going, you train at five o'clock in the morning and, 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 and you build your repertoire. You, 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 you compete at events, you get better. You just, it's just, it's not difficult. No, it's just a matter of the willpower and, and how much do you really want. Want it, yeah. And I guess you have to ask yourself the question. Because the structure wasn't there during Kim Collins' days. Mm-hmm. It's definitely still not there now, all these years later. Why was Kim so successful? Why yeah, was Kim yeah. able to get that scholarship and go to TCU and then pursue himself professionally? And, and he would tell you from time to time, though controversially, that he didn't really have the support. Yeah, locally. that was here. Uh-huh. He always used to say that, that he had to push himself. He had to be the one going out there and, and, and make, making things initiative happen. Yeah. in order to go out there. And he still was able to represent St. Kitts Nevis. At the um, highest level? At the highest level, even up to the age of 40, before he retired, the second time. The second time? <laughs> <laughs> one wasn't enough. <laughs> you know? So <laughs> if to be Kim too. could do it yeah, yeah, and become on. a global superstar, why was he able to do it and, and no one else been able to follow his footsteps since? World champion. Yeah, becoming a world champion. And again, it, it is not even a case of being the best. It's just getting your foot in the door because there are athletes who are competing in the Diamond League in, in track and field who are representing their countries, probably haven't even made a finals in any event. But guess what? They're getting paid. Exactly. They're getting paid. They're getting more than they probably would have gotten if they had to work a conventional at a bank job, or you yeah. know, work a conventional job. Because at the end of the day, an athlete's lifespan is short. So they have to make as much money, money as, as possible. possible. Yeah, in that time frame. You know, there are brands out there that are willing, even lesser known brands. It doesn't have to be an Adidas or a Nike or a Puma. Mm-hmm. It could be a, 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 a Li Ning from out of China yeah. or one of these lesser known brands that are looking to get some form of Accolade, visual, a mm. visual, you know, marketing, Traction. and and if you can make a finals or go on the world stage, they will compete, put a jersey on you. Yeah, they will definitely easily. Yeah. You you wear their spikes yeah. easily. So and then they will pay you to do that, to do that. Which is like is is, is like the, the 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 basics of marketing. Yeah, I just want eyes to see my brand. Yeah. I, I, like and as long as it, I mean, it, it goes a little bit further now because I mean we live in the age of social media mm-hmm. where. You're, 
your reputation is also incredibly important. It's not just enough for you to right. wear the brand. You have to live live, live the ideals yeah. of the brand. It's not. But but I mean that's that's a small sacrifice compared to what you're getting in return. Oh man, it's, from it's a financial tiny. standpoint. Yeah. It's tiny. It's yeah. tiny. And they they pay you well. They pay you because well. they understand that mm-hmm. through paying you, you know, it's really an investment for themselves. Like yep. nobody knows who who. I will make up a company. Nobody knows who, who three staff is, mm-hmm. but you put three staff on a, on, on, a, on the back of a jersey. Yep. Now people, some people and are googling millions of millions, world, millions of people who seeing that at the Olympics. Looking at like, how do you even pay for that? Mm-hmm. You know, you understand? Like 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 companies here pay something. It's, it's, they pay you two hundred dollars to get two people to see that. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like I'm not saying that's how it is because I mean I mean production, uh, but yeah. I'm saying like. I pay you two hundred dollars. Like somebody see two people see your ad, three people see your ad. Yeah. Like imagine a million people. Yep. Scale that up, and you see what what you get. It's yep. it, it, it's there's no limit. We have to look at the big world picture when it comes to sports. I don't. Mm. And again, I don't think we are seeing the the true value. The true value. Of no. What we can get from sports. Not even close. Both both from an individual standpoint. So I would encourage student athletes to take initiative. Uh, yes, the government has to put certain things in place, and and they should put certain things in place. Um, I'm also encouraging even the, the sporting bodies, the, the Eskin Athletics, Football Association, the various associations, to, to have scouts come in, you know, make provisions for scouts to come in. Too. To, to see. I know the Football Association does it mm-hmm. um, to, to a certain extent. Um, Eskin Athletics, they have a new executive now, so I don't know what their new plans are. They're going to have a press conference soon, so we will see what see happens, what happens. There. Mm-hmm. But the opportunities are immense. I wish I was, I was athletic enough to take up some of the opportunities I see. No. No, on, on, on available. I mean, because they're, they're just immense. They're just there in abundance. And it's just a matter of, you know, the athletes, first of all, taking it seriously. If you really want to pursue sports as a, as a career, that you take it seriously. Research, research, research. Find out all you can about the opportunity that, that exists. Mm-hmm. Maybe the sports department might have some information. They may be able to help. If you're in track and field, you could talk to the... Asking athletes to see what's out there. Talk to your track club to see what opportunities are out there. How mm-hmm. can you get, you know, some, you know, even if you have to pay your way into college and maybe try to get an opportunity at one of the schools and in the U.S. or wherever, and they see your, they see your skills and they see, see your potential, ability, you may be able to get a, a scholarship to, to fund the rest of your education and you're able to compete. The, it's, it's, it's about initiative. Mm-hmm. It's about initiative because the opportunities are there in abundance. So it's, it's not a matter of, let me sit down on my laurels and wait for the no. opportunity to come to me. Not, me. not in St. Nevis because the structure is not there to encourage that. To encourage that. Yeah. It's, not, it's not a passive process. No. And if, if Kim had to wait on, on somebody to... He would to, not be in... He, would, he wouldn't, he wouldn't no. even... Wouldn't we wouldn't even know his name. Yeah. Like, there would be no Kim Collins anywhere. But he took the initiative. He had the passion. He had the drive. He had people behind him who was pushing him. And um, eventually it paid off. It did. Mr. Andrew Huey. Man, I want to say thank you for being yeah. on the show. Um, I think your words of wisdom is, is, is very appreciated. I, yeah. I think a lot of things, people, people take certain things for granted, and that's one thing that I like to bring on the show. Like, mm-hmm. there, are, there are different avenues. Like, you don't have to do, if you're good at something, you don't have to just let it die. No, inside you shouldn't. You. You, shouldn't. You, you, should, should. you should. You should go at it. it. Go at it, pursue it. I mean, and again, I'm not abdicating government responsibility because they do have, they do have a, a yeah. responsibility to develop sports. Very much. Um, uh, quickly before we go, I just want to share um, one ways in which you could do that, one mm-hmm. of the ways in which you could do that. Um, I always, I, I mean, in the past, I've interviewed Vernon Springer, who is a former sports broadcaster here mm-hmm. in St. Kitts Nevis. He's now working with the New Orleans Cricket Board. And one of the things he always used to say is that, why is it that we can't create opportunities for even professional teams 
from the US to come here in the Caribbean, come to St. Kitts Nevis and do some of the things that they do in there. I mean, for example, I know the NBA, they like to spread the wealth. They like to go to different countries to host NBA games in a bid to promote the sport globally. Globally, yes. Right. Mm-hmm. If we had, for example, an indoor sporting facility. We could attract we, that. We could attract that. Um, one of the things that I think we could do is why can't we get a spring break training for one of the MLB teams, the Major League Baseball teams in the U.S., to come to the warm climate of the Caribbean, come out of the cold U.S., come right here to St. Kitts Nevis, and do your spring training, your spring training right here for a week. It's, this, this sounds great. It's, it's a vacation for them. This it's a beautiful. vacation for them. You're talking about 20 or so millionaires coming in to St. Kitts Nevis yeah, for one week. Just imagine the amount of money they will spend in that week. Indeed. Just that week alone. It's true. And this is just spring, spring break training. And you could do that with multiple teams to get them to come to St. Kitts Nevis. It's a great opportunity. We have tourism as our main driver. Why not we merge that with sports? Sports, yeah. And, and sports and, and tourism. create a sports tourism brand. We can't... Again, we can't do the professional leagues because we don't have the numbers to do mm-hmm. it. But we can attract numbers in a different way. And that's sports tourism. And also, too, I think we, we could also merge that with technology because mm-hmm. if we broadcast these games... There you go. There's even more. more that, there's, more, there's, there's more. There's more money. Because then you could, there's more money to be made because mm-hmm. then people could bring their brands here. They would sponsor it because mm-hmm. it's going to be seen all around all the world. world. Yeah. We have the infrastructure to do that. Yeah. I mean, we can't be small-minded in this world. No, no we more, have to be right? creative and we have to think outside the box. Quite so. Quite so. Mr. Huey. Yes. Man, thank you so much for thank being so on the show, man. I appreciate uh, thanks it. Thanks for having me. Well, it was great having you. Mm-hmm. Guys, we've been listening to Objectively Incorrect. My name is Stephen Smith. As usual, peace. No gang signs, guys. <laughs> <laughs>